1: We come before God in thanksgiving, and that also reminds us we need to come before him to confess our sins. This morning, the fifth commandment from Deuteronomy chapter 5. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be long, and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Thus far, the reading of God's word. Well, today is Mother's Day, and a happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Uh, with this moment in mind uh, a call to confess our sins on mother's day i did a little experiment at my house this week asking a few family members how do moms how do mothers sin how do mothers sin we're not supposed to talk about that you know just just how great mothers are right uh, the first two answers i got were fast and furious they don't <laughs> oh okay that's the culture's answer, right? But, but really, we believe in total depravity, and we should consider each role in life, how each uh, person is tempted to depart from God's ways for that role. How do mothers sin? Certainly, all of us sin by not honoring our father and mother. We have a day to day to set that right in our nation. Uh, but it seems to me, as a faithful pastor, I ought to say mothers sin in particular ways, too. Moms can be impatient with their children, who are slow to learn. Moms can resent ungrateful family when they take her for granted. Uh, Moms can give up on responsibilities halfway through raising children and just coast for a while. Moms can give in to discouragement and despair. There are many more, but I'm already on thin ice, so I'll move on. This is a day to commend mothers, and we should, uh, and let us also renew our commitment to God's intent for moms and reorient our lives accordingly. So let's confess our sins to Almighty God. Please kneel if you're able, and I'll pray for our prayer of confession. Father, as we consider your word today, we ask that that this word would be our rule, that your spirit would be our teacher, and that the glory of your son, Jesus, would be our single concern. He is our rock and our redeemer. And we pray in his name. Amen. Well, we're taking a break from Samuel here for a month or so. We have Mother's Day today. Uh, this coming Thursday is Ascension Day, uh, and that's a big day on the calendar, though it often gets missed in our celebrations. So we'll uh, look at Ascension, uh, the ascension of Christ next Sunday. Pentecost, the Sunday after that. Father's Day is just a bit away, so we'll come back to Samuel in about a month or so. Today I want to look at the theme of motherhood, motherhood as a a gift from the Lord and a challenge as well. Uh, It's a role that God uh, blesses and that he redeems in Christ. And I'm doing this from 1 Thessalonians 2, which may seem like an odd place. Paul uses uh, a rather striking metaphor here uh, that as an apostle, as a church planter coming to Thessalonica, he uh, started this church. And he did so as a mother, as someone who uh, was gentle among them, who was sincere. Uh, That's the idea. So the context, the main point here of of our sermon text is that Paul acted with integrity when he brought them the gospel. He didn't come in as a charlatan looking to make a fast buck and then skip town. Uh, That's what he's getting across to the Thessalonians. Thessalonians, and, and this is something that newer converts can struggle with soon after they uh, come to faith. They, they have uh, doubts. They have uh, buyer's remorse, so to speak. They have uh, second-guess uh, uh, second themselves in their faith. Is this a, re- is this a real thing? Did, did Paul just schnooker us? And Paul uh, reiterates the gospel and says, no, this is the real deal. And you're doing well to believe. That's the point. We were with you like a mother with her children devoted, working hard, after your best interest, and so on. So that's Paul's metaphor, and I'm uh, taking that, and we're going to expand that and look at the whole of Scripture and the theme of motherhood today. So uh, that brings us to the first main point to consider. In the outline, you'll see it. The church is like a mother in some ways. And Galatians 4, Paul expands on this a bit. We We are the children of promise, uh, not children of law or slavery or bondage. Paul there is saying that Jews without Christ uh, are like Ishmael, born of Hagar. Their mother is Jerusalem on earth. Uh, they aren't following God's promised one, Jesus. Our mother is the Jerusalem above, in heaven. And the idea there is, is the church triumphant, Zion Born of the Spirit. We sang about that in Psalm 128 just a minute ago. The first verse is about physical fathers and mothers and the children around the table. And then the second verse is about Zion. And it's about uh, our, our heavenly home. And there's a connection. The idea there is the church triumphant, born of the Spirit. And we are children of that stock. The church, as the bride of Christ, bears fruit, has children. And here we are, we are those children. So that's an important point to make, and it's kind of an odd one to begin a Mother's Day sermon on perhaps, but the church we ought to think of as our mother in a spiritual sense. Don't think of the church in the consumeristic way that so many do today just as a place where you can get fed, as a hub of ministry, as a social outlet. So a good place for the kids to go, good activities there. Well, uh, honor your mother as a place of teaching and training you, as a place to get wisdom, as a holder of precious truth and customs and traditions. That's very important, we, we don't come to the table, we know this inherently, uh, today of all days, you don't just come to the table and treat mom like a servant. Give me my food, then I'll go. You don't treat mom like a cafeteria, right? You honor your mother. In the same sense, we need to honor the church, not just come to church for what we can get out of it, but honor what's going on here and the wisdom that is there. Now, to qualify that a bit, contrary to popular belief, mothers are not always right, right? Maybe mom's using her mom's recipe and just doesn't know that there's a better way and this is just what she was taught, what she knows, but hey, there's actually a better way to do that. That happens often, and churches can be like that too. You don't have to blindly follow whatever the church says, but honor her for her God-intended large role in your life. So that's the church as mother. And I make this point not to take away from actual mothers today, but because we all need what mothers give us throughout our lives. And we don't all have mothers still alive or nearby or good mothers. The church is a place of grace where God provides us all with this role. So the church as mother, that's the first point. Now, on to the hope of motherhood. And here we go from Galatians uh, back to Genesis where we looked at Adam and Eve right after the fall. Eve was the first mother. And right after the fall, God's curse on the woman is that she's going to give birth in pain, verse 16. His curse on the man is that he's going to die and return to the dust, verse 19. God had promised death before they sinned, but mixed in with these curses, God also gives them promises of life. They won't die today. That that was the warning, right? Right? But no, Eve is going to be a mother. She's going to give birth. It'll be hard, but she will bear children. She won't die today. And don't forget the main promise, of course, in verse 15. One of her children will crush Satan. There are huge undercurrents of hope in those initial curses that God gives to Satan and the woman and to Adam. Adam's going to get food out of the ground. His work's gonna be productive. It'll be hard, but he'll live a while before he dies. He won't die today. And my favorite part of that passage is verse 20. Adam gets it. He sees the hope that God is giving them, mixed in with all the trouble ahead. You know, the the main point of those curses is that life is gonna be frustrating and futile in some ways, but there's hope there too because they're not gonna die today. So what does Adam do? very next thing it says, the very first thing after God gives these curses, Adam names his wife, life. Eve means life, the mother of all the living. So Adam's response to the curses and the hope mixed in with them is to say, life. You warned us we would die if we did this but you've had mercy. And so he names Eve, his wife, Eve Life. She's gonna bear children as God promised. Mothers are life givers. They're bearers of hope by God's design. It's built into our first story right here. We deserve instant death, but God had mercy. And one common grace sign of that mercy is a mother with her child. Mothers are one of God's billboards that give us hope in the world. Motherhood is about hope. And it's about redemption, too, moving on to the next point quickly. That as the Bible says, who hopes for what he already has? Right? Hope and redemption are both saying, assuming something, which is that life isn't how it's supposed to be right now. Think things are broken. Things are messed up. We're, we're still sinful by nature. Uh, our lives, uh, uh, motherhood is no exception to that. The whole realm of motherhood, and I I try to dig into this and not just do a sentimental kind of sermon on Mother's Day. I know that gets awkward because we want to commend mothers in all ways. But life is messed up, and life often is broken around motherhood. Maybe she died young and she isn't with you anymore. Or your child rejected you and left and you can't be mom to him. Or, or maybe all the pieces are in place uh, but you lack wisdom or strength to mother well. Y- your sin gets the better of you when, you, when they spill the milk again, right? There, there's all kinds of ways in which uh, sin uh, permeates every role of life, even motherhood. Motherhood needs redeeming and restoring in many ways. Uh, I've said it before, the Bible will often uh, give us a worst case situation to remind us gently that if God can handle that, then he can fix your situation too. And we have one of those in the early chapters of Genesis. Uh, Here's one of those first case situations. What happens in the very next few verses in the Bible after after, uh, Adam names his wife life? Very next chapter, their, their first son kills their second son. Talk about a grief to a mother. And then the first son leaves. I don't think they see him anymore. Goes off and builds a city. That is a huge uh, case of suffering around motherhood. The strain uh, of motherhood, so I'm told, can be very great. Mothers bear pain physically in birth. Mentally, they see their kids get hurt, make mistakes, whatever it may be. Uh, you have fluke situations like the one I prayed for earlier uh, in, uh, on the West Coast right now, the CREC family. Uh, a first time mom just this past uh, week and month uh, got COVID when she was eight months pregnant, had a C-section, uh, and, she, and and then she went downhill right after the birth, needs oxygen. She's on a ventilator right now in the hospital. First time dad is home with the baby, trying to take care of the baby. And, and they're separated. Wow. You have crazy situations like that that remind us. That family, motherhood, it needs redeeming, restoring. Mothers need caring for when they're older. And it can be a hard adjustment for everyone. Uh, mom has done the caregiving all of her life, and now she needs to receive it. That can be tough. But the redemption will come. The frustration of the fall, the pain that comes with caregiving, it will all pass away. We will receive and give love fully and perfectly one day, and we strive for that now, of course. But it can all be redeemed, all restored, and it happens at the cross. It happens at the cross. Imagine the trauma of Mary, Jesus' mother, standing at the cross, watching her son be crucified. And Jesus at the cross says to John, behold your mother. Jesus provides for his mother after he is gone. In a very pragmatic, practical I should say, sense. He keeps the fifth commandment. While on the cross, honoring his mother. It's a great tangible example of how the atonement that he is working right at that moment starts working restoration in a broken world. Now that doesn't fix everything right away, right? Her son is still dead that Friday afternoon. Not saying everything's perfect now, but the hope of future redemption is sure. So mothers, and and this is the point from 1 Corinthians 15 as well, right? The the great resurrection chapter, how does it end? Be steadfast, your labor is not in vain. So mothers, remember that. You specifically today, you have a lot of work that you do. That's the next point. Remember, it's not in vain. Not because of your vigilance, but because of Christ's cross. So that's the hope and the redemption of motherhood. Now let's look next at the work of motherhood. And here we come back to our sermon text and we'll look at a bit more detail verse by verse here. So turn there with me if you'd like. 1 Thessalonians 2, back to verse four. And let's get into the nitty gritty of mothering here a little bit. And the 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 assumption that I'm making here, or the argument that I'm that I'm working from, is that in verse seven you have the metaphor, right? That's where Paul says we were among you as mothers. Well, a, a point, a, an assumption that I'm making uh, could be wrong, but I don't think so after studying this. Is that several verses before and after verse seven, Paul has that metaphor in mind. So we start at verse four already. And I think Paul is already thinking in this mother metaphor, so let's consider that today. Verse 4, Paul says, we've been approved by God and trusted. We speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. The apostles worked to please God, not those people in Thessalonica. That's Paul's point. And I would say, so do mothers, right? It isn't a mother's job to keep her children happy every moment. Sometimes you have to give them something hard. And that's tough. But we need to do what God wants for them. Not just give them whatever will make them happy. That's what Paul does with the Thessalonians. It's the same idea. That's part of the work of motherhood. Verse 5 and 6, that same pattern continues. We didn't use flattering words. We didn't have a cloak for uh, covetousness we didn't seek glory from men, that we didn't make demands, these are all things as well that the apostles say, we didn't do it for the money, for the glory, for the fame, neither do mothers, (laughs) right, that's a point that's rather obvious, mom gets some appreciation now and then, but we know we need to serve God faithfully, whether we get appreciation or not. Family, do not treat your wife like, don't treat your mother like your servant. We, we know that, right? It's despicable. They don't want to be put on a pedestal necessarily, but we should commend them for their work. Same for the apostles, same for your church leaders today. The, the church shouldn't do this to her leaders either. Their tireless work, the tireless work that your deacons do week in and week out here is awe-inspiring. It really is. Don't just give it lip service. See how you can pitch in. The more we help with the routine tasks, the more space they have to consider longer term planning and service. It's a great thing. Same idea. So that's verse 5 and 6. Paul continues in verse 7. We were gentle among you, as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. Paul was gentle. He cherishes the church, he's not exploiting it. So are mothers right? Kids, that's an important point for you to hear today. I see some of the kids' heads looking up now. Good. Listen up a minute, kids. <laughs> your mom is not just using you for your labor. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like it, right? We have that discussion a fair bit. She's not just using you for your labor to get house chores done. She's helping you to grow, When she's doing that, right? Paul is quite clear about this in other letters. And this metaphor extends again to the church. Look throughout the New Testament. What does Paul do? He calls for the church to give financially, for example. And often he's talking about giving to himself. He needs support from the last church that he just planted. And he asks them to give. He's not doing that in an exploitive fashion. He's not doing that just so he can... Live high in the hog. He's doing it for their own good. If you learn to give to the church, to, to God's people, that's good for you. Mothers are often in that role, doing that, helping you to learn how to give and how to work. And that does lighten her load often. But that's, that's the side benefit. It's, it's so that you can grow and learn. Paul is gentle. He's cherishing the church, not exploiting it. That's the idea. So next verse, verse 8. This, this pattern continues affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our very lives. So here Paul is saying, uh, we didn't just give you words. I mean, that's quite striking for him to say, because the whole point of Paul being there was to preach the gospel and convert people using words, right? But he says, we didn't just use words, we gave you our very lives, Part of the, he's probably talking in part there about his tent making, that he, he, um, he made tents and sold them and, and kept up his own support so that he didn't have to be a burden to the church. He says that often, right? So do mothers. Mothers act the same kind of way. Uh, they give their very lives. Start there. Obviously, a pregnant mother literally gives of her physical self for her baby, right? She doesn't just teach what is right. She changes diapers, washes clothes, cooks dinner, washes dishes, changes diapers, washes clothes, cooks dinner, washes dishes, changes diapers, cooks dinner, you get the idea. To adopt another phrase of Paul's, she spends and she is spent for her people, right? That metaphor is... uh, quite rich and striking. Verse 9, it continues. This is the last verse. Uh, We uh, blamelessly behaved ourselves. Oops, I missed the wrong verse. Verse 9. You remember our labor and toil, laboring night and day. So do mothers, right? Enough said on that one. They're laboring night and day. They labored, end of verse 9, so that we might not be a burden to any of you, And again, they they labored so they wouldn't be a burden. Don't don't take this the wrong way again, as if mom needs to apologize for her existence, for her role. It's not like, oh, I don't want to be a burden to anyone. That's not what is meant, as if her calling is only to enable dad's calling and the kids. No, a mother's work in the home is valuable in its own right. It's very important to assert these days, especially in our culture. Like a womb for a baby... In the family, mom makes an environment at home in which her family can grow. That doesn't just happen physically with her womb. It's happening in the family. Uh, Moms take on a great burden doing that so that their husbands and their children can fulfill their own callings. And that's not something that's unique to mothers, right? That's something we should all be doing. Each taking on our burden, completely fulfilling our responsibilities uh, and then we can help each other as needed, as we can. Moms, moms put up with dads' late hours or stressful hours at work. Uh, moms work to supplement the family's income. Uh, dads help the kids with the homework. Uh, you see what I mean. All, we, dads have their main thing they do, but then they help mom and then they help the kids too. We, we, all this bears rich fruit as we love and help each other. And the burden extends beyond your own family, right? This burden we're talking about. Some of you more seasoned mothers, uh, you're seeing your adult children thriving in the world. That's a real blessing. And maybe they're far away. And maybe you could help a younger mother here at church, as Titus 2 talks about the older women helping the younger in their callings. That can be kind of an awkward setup, right? Asking to mentor someone or asking for a mentor. Uh, maybe church leaders or their wives can uh, sometimes help make introductions. But I'd urge you to, to get that done, uh, to be a, a good uh, a mentor in that mothering kind of way. Or maybe you need, maybe you do need a pastor to teach you about parenting from the Bible, but you also need an example, a mom who's done it, to show you how it's done. Well, that, that's some of the work of mothers that we see from 1 Thessalonians uh, 2. And the last point today is just the place of motherhood. Uh, Moms have a a unique role. It's a precious uh, place in God's creation. Uh, The world tries to tell us that it's optional, that it's second fiddle to a career maybe. But the Bible says that a wife is a fruitful vine in the heart of the home with the children all around. I think that really explains why biblical motherhood is so attacked in cultures that reject the gospel. You name it today, whatever area of our lives, in our gender, in our sexuality, in marriage, in the family, society is turning away from God's design, right? The hot news item last week was that the, the birth rate in our country is the lowest that it's ever been. Motherhood is decidedly out of fashion, but God says otherwise, Proverbs 31 says, a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. So in closing, remember that Christ will establish the work of our hands. As the psalmist says, he does this in the Lord Jesus and he does this for mothers. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we uh, come before you interceding fervently for our mothers. We thank you for them. We ask that you would uh, strengthen and bless them today. Give them wisdom in their work, diligence. Give them support uh, from their families. Thank you for the ways in which your word shows us how uh, we in spiritual senses uh, can be uh, act towards one another in ways that faithful mothers do. Uh, Give us gentleness. Give us sincerity. Give us a desire to help others grow. Uh, Lord, help us to spend and to be spent, to pour out our lives for the lives of others. We thank you that you have done this for us in the ultimate sense at the cross. We thank you for our Savior, Jesus, the ways in which he pours out gifts upon us, grace upon grace, make us thankful, uh, help us to realize, uh, to mentally understand what you are giving us so that we can uh, fruitfully uh, serve you in this world. Let we pray in Christ's name and we sing as Christ taught us to pray. table. One of the things about mothers is that they set tables. The church, as a mother of sorts, is designed to feed God's children. Uh, Mom doesn't always set the fanciest of meals. It's not always the highest top-notch cuisine, Uh, but we are called to honor mom as best we can. Is she giving you nutrition, not poison? Then stay and eat what you are served. In this case, Jesus sees to it that whatever the faults of the server, it is he himself that you receive. So do not shrink back. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. All those baptized in Christ's name and in good standing with his church are welcome here at his table. Come, for all things are now ready. The body of Christ, broken for you. Let us pray.